Insiders, and welcome back to part two of the two-part special. My name is Jasmine, your regularly scheduled host, and I am really excited for our conversation today. If you tuned into part one, um, you would remember that we brought in NTT, Southwire, Igor, and a few other partners to discuss our partnerships with Cisco, trends around sustainability, and how we're helping clients. For today's episode, we've brought them back to talk about the new way organizations must think about work, how we can adjust to meet the needs of new workplace, and what that means for organizations and industries across the board. So without further ado, let's go around the virtual table to see who we've got in store. Alex, I'll start off with you. State your name, where you're from, and what excites you the most about smart building and the sustainability space. Jasmine, uh, Alex Bunda here from Southwire. Excited to be virtually around the table with you all this uh, lovely morning in Atlanta. Uh, you know, from a smart building perspective, really excited for what the future holds in terms of data-driven uh, devices and uh, data-driven decision-making at, at an enterprise level, whether that's uh, new apps to reserve access facilities, conference spaces, amenities, uh, whether it's understanding better how tenants or occupants interact with space, uh, right-sizing organizationally, things like conference rooms and amenities of, of the occupants of space, and, and ultimately driving global decision-making from all this data, because the data is only good if we're going to act on it and do something with it. So excited for the future and having this proliferation of data at our disposal to go and make decisions with. Couldn't agree with you more there. I think data is a huge part of, honestly, every single aspect of what we're talking about today. So excited to hear more about that. Next up, we have Grant. Grant, can you do the same? Yeah, uh, Grant Donald. I know it's backwards, but um, that's the name. I'm just up the road from Alex in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm part of Entity Limited, and I really help look after networking technologies globally. So I'm part of the, of the group infrastructure. What excites me most about smart buildings? I think right now what's exciting for me is two years ago, smart buildings were something people and clients were, were, were looking into, but you know they were doing it in, in pieces. Now with the pandemic and the need to attract people back to the workplace, suddenly smart buildings have taken on a, on a whole new criticality for our clients. So they really look and hopefully we'll have some of that discussion today. I really agree with Alex, you know, the, the, the amount of data we're getting from things within the building now is tremendous. Um, and it, it's really good for, for our networking infrastructure solution sets. Thanks, Grant. Next up, we have Brittany. Brittany, can you do the same? Of course. Hi, my name is Brittany. I am on the Soundfeed team, and I work with our partners here in North America to collaborate and drive technology adoption, um, specifically including motors for solar shading. I'm most excited about technology driving an increased adoption of sustainability and well-being um, in the lived-in environment, especially how it's expanding so rapidly in scope. Thanks, Bernie. I'm actually right there with you. I feel like it's going to be really cool to see how organizations and companies adjust and change to kind of adopt that sustainability piece um, and kind of just be more mindful of how they impact the environment. Next up, we have Philip. Philip, can you also do the same? Jasmine, yeah, so um, Philip Priestley, um, I'm from Entity Limited as well. 
and I'm part of our strategic integrated offerings team. And in particular, at the moment, really looking around what our strategy is around hybrid worker, helping people change. And so really just looking at kind of those different activities and how we can actually make a sort of fundamental change to how people work, how people operate, um, how people exist in the world as well. So as the guy said, it's just really looking at all those different data inputs and actually looking at actually how we can do that and how we can use that to everyone's benefit, be that from energy reduction, be it for actually how people work, how we can people help from a productivity standpoint, um, how we can reduce the impact that people have in their everyday lives. So it's, it's such an interesting area that has a sort of fundamental impact on everything we do. Thanks, Philip. Happy to have you here. And I'm excited as well just to see how everything changes to kind of just connect our people a little bit better. And last but not least, uh, we have Kim from Igor. Kim, can you introduce yourself? Yes, of course. My name is Kim Johnson, and I'm the Vice President of Marketing at Igor. We're a smart building platform that leverages the PoE backbone to power control all connected devices. We are big into data as well. And I'd say personally, in terms of what I'm excited about, I did talk about the DC microgrid last time. And so what I think I'll say this time is what we've been through is disrupted assumptions. And so what people used to assume sustainability meant is being challenged. And I think we're being pushed to, to take it even further and I'm really excited that people are just thinking differently. And I think we're seeing that when it comes to sustainability being about more than just energy savings now. It's about health and wellness and the people inside our, our built environments. I think all of that's a very exciting thing to come. Absolutely. And I think the idea of moving into a hybrid work model and moving into different areas where we can help be more sustainable, it is a very out of our comfort zone area. And without being uncomfortable, we can't really grow. So I agree with you there. I'm really excited to see how things change. So thanks everyone. Glad to have you back around the virtual table. But let's get into what we are here to talk about today. From the last time we spoke and now, what do you think are trends that have become more and more popular on the client side when it comes to transitioning to a new hybrid work model? Brittany, I'll start off with you here. Um, I'm sure everyone here has been seeing that, but when we are talking to building owners and stakeholders in the occupants of a built environment, we're seeing a different focus on creating a tangible experience that is appealing and makes the workforce want to come back and spend time in that space. I'm sure we've all seen it. You know, There's a lot of data out there about how the workforce is really comfortable at home. And how do we create built environments that are somewhere we can go to to access these experiences, you know, where light is tuned and you have access to views and you get access to sunshine in a work environment that makes it even more appealing than being at home for those working hours. And then, of course, in people that are not able to be remote, you know, those environments, how do we increase opportunity for healthy living. You know, if we're in a warehouse, what can we do for access to fresh air? You know, people that traditionally didn't get access to sunlight, how do we bring daylight into those spaces? So that's a lot of the trends that we're seeing with the built environment, especially in the commercial space. I suppose, Jasmine, I'd jump in there probably on that as well. And I think just to kind of back up what Brittany's seeing, it's one where we're working a lot of our clients at the moment to really see how they, how they want what they want to use their spaces for going forward and, and where those spaces are, and then what needs repurposing and what doesn't. 
but also then looking at when an employee comes into the office, can they connect or work in a similar way? Do they have a similar experience than they're working at home? So actually a lot of what we've seen is where a lot of people in, in, in a lot of geographies um, have a very good connection and often that performance and experience can be better from home. So in the, in the office, they don't want that degraded experience. But also then again, looking at how employees come back into the office and what they're using it for. So there's more of a collaboration space, more to meet, more to ideate with others um, and to come in with a purpose. So actually, how do we look at, one, how the offices are structured, but also then the right equipment and technology into the office then to provide that and, and to help drive that also. Then lastly, looking at when we have sort of remote participants joining sessions as well, how do we make everyone an equal participant in the session as well? Yeah, and I can carry on from, from where Philip and Brittany left off. You know, for me, what, what we're really seeing is two things. One is the more appealing workplace, attracting people back to the office. You know, we at NTT are actually seeing very low uptake of people wanting or going back to the office here in, in the United States. Um, I think we you know, 5-10% of, of the workforce are actually going back to the office. Um, so, so there's the making the workplace more appealing, as both Philip and, and Brittany said. And then there's also, now that we've got this new workplace, the, the amount of data sources we've got in that workplace is enormous. Um, you know, we can start doing things with that data, uh, location analytics, uh, social distancing monitoring, environmental monitoring, monitoring the air quality, the temperature, you know, the amount of people in one room. And we can do, you know, really clever wayfinding for, for guests and for, for more public buildings where, you know, digital signage is is something that we, we're seeing a lot more of. And all of that requires a really good foundational network, particularly in the wireless space. So, so us at Entity, we've seen, I think our last two quarters with Cisco, we've seen record wireless numbers. Um, and that just shows that that trend is is what's happening. Clients are buying far more wireless, like Wi-Fi 6, and they're looking at things like private 5G, all to do those two things, make the workplace more appealing and also to start making really good advanced use of, of the data that's being generated by the network. Just another point, just to build on, on something Philip said, um, you know, performance monitoring. What we're seeing a lot of is everybody sitting at home is using video because we're doing a lot more video conferences. We're doing high definition video. We, we're streaming conferences with thousands of attendees. And that has most certainly had an impact on, on network uh, traffic and capacity. So a very interesting thing uh, to keep an eye on is the sheer amount of data that's now coming in to the enterprise and client's network rather than being generated from within the network. Two very different um, things. Grant, that's so interesting that you guys are, uh, you know, such a such a low turnout in terms of people that are coming into the office now. I mean, at Southwire, we're a manufacturing company at the end of the day. So throughout all of COVID, we've had, you know, a lot of employees that have had to be in our production facilities to ensure that we're able to to make product. Uh, but a word that keeps sort of coming back and resonating with me through all this is is flexibility. This this last you know twenty month case study of COVID, <laughs> uh, forcible remote work, whatever we want to call it. Uh, has been sort of thrust upon those of us that are in non-manufacturing centric roles at our organization. And it's, you know, we're starting to transition now to this time of being able to be decisive of where and how and when we work. So creating 
uh, appealing environments for those uh, non-manufacturing employees to come back to is a must, uh, not to mention just being able to uh, move from forced conditions to one of being able to be decisive about how you collaborate, how you interact with others. The future, obviously unpromised. We've seen that over the over this this last 20 months. Uh, so how do we better leverage space, physical space for higher value interactions? How do we build flexibility into our physical space, into our working model, into the way that we collaborate with others, uh, whether that's through you know, Grant, as you discussed, communication platforms or, or video technologies. How do we collaborate with new platforms altogether? And and really, how do we, from a sustainability perspective, leverage different perspectives, backgrounds, uh, to to drive diverse, inclusive thought into our process and and manifest that with physical space? Uh, really, a, a focus for us here at Southwire as we transition away from this forcible condition of work into one of uh, of a new, newly decisive nature. Well said, Alex. I'll maybe touch on on the fact, you know, so I grew up with the three P's of sustainability. I know there's better ways of thinking about it today, but the idea of people, planet, and profit. And really since the energy crisis of the 70s, it's been very focused on energy savings, which allows you to have a good um, sort of operational profit, you know, reduce your energy savings by being more sustainable and that's awesome. But what was often forgotten was the people side of it. You know, we would seal up these buildings so tightly that occupant comfort. And then now what we're thinking about in terms of air quality and ventilation were sort of secondary concerns. But with this pandemic challenging that assumption, we all, a lot of us return to home, um, work from home, not everyone, but a lot of us did. And that's a place we have control over our environment. So what did a lot of us do home renovation projects. We will look to buy a bigger home. We looked to change our environment to be really comfortable to be in. We want natural lighting. And now that we've had that, we don't want to let go of it. So our offices and our spaces need to reflect these new desires and expectations. What we're seeing in clients is that renewed interest in the people side, um, but also a concern about being able to do it reliably, maybe even being overwhelmed by all the options out there. If they're managing a large enterprise building, they need to have one way to understand how it's working. And they need to know that is providing reliable, frictionless service to the employees or the guests that are there because we're, we're used to that. And we're, we will not be compelled to go back unless we can match or exceed our expectations. So a lot of this for us has come back to the idea of maybe a power over Ethernet backbone to get that reliability, to get the scalable structure, but that the occupant experience has to be frictionless and wireless and allow occupants the ability to actually control their environment, whether it's the shading options in their room for better lighting or seamlessly move from one collaboration space to another and just have everything work. So increasingly, the demand is to make sure that there's there's no restriction anymore in how you can design your space, that we need to be able to provide planet sustainability, uh, an ROI story, and a person-based focus on how we're experiencing our built world. And, and that's how, how we'll bring people back and how we'll, we'll get better business outcomes. Wow, you guys brought up so many good points, kind of blown away at the moment. But it's really interesting to see how there are some commonalities between what you guys have all said. 
And I think something that I've taken away from your answers just now is that everyone is different. Everyone has a different work style, a different lifestyle. So I think that organizations must think about how everyone can collaborate. How can we make sure that everyone feels like an equal participant? Because before the pandemic, you know, meetings might have been in person and in live. And so you had the chance to raise your hand to voice your opinion. But now when you sit behind a screen, I feel like it's easier to stay quiet and it's easier to just kind of stay in the back of the room and kind of not say anything. And now with this hybrid work model, people are, you know, either in the office or not. And I think organizations kind of have to be flexible with how they redesign their workspace. Are we taking out the cubicles? Are there going to be more windows? Are there going to be better solutions for our people to collaborate? And I think that's something that's very important as we kind of move into the future and move into a different kind of working model. And so that kind of brings me to my next question. How can we change what's in place already? That's the traditional textbook kind of way of working to retrofit the new workplace. And Grant or Philip, I'll start with you here. Yeah, so I think it's important looking at that, Jasmine. It's it's kind of where are our clients today and a lot of the work we've been doing is some of what Grant mentioned before, where we're kind of leveraging some of the infrastructure they already had in place, then get a baseline of what the activities get in the office. So looking at some of the workplace analytics they have, looking at some of the rooms and the platforms that they have to really kind of measure and get a baseline of of what the spaces have been used for, but then then taking a look at actually then what they want to use them for as well and making sure it's things like there's the right types of spaces, the right number of spaces. Do they have too many meeting rooms, too little meeting rooms? Do they have the right equipment in those meeting rooms? And actually making sure that then, then as we've said before and you highlighted, that we're kind of giving that equal experience so that the performance is what is required. Um, and it's a little bit where Grant can go a bit more into some of the networking size and, and the detail of it, but just kind of looking at capacity, everyone moving to more flexible spaces, less sort of static spaces. So actually needing kind of those requirements of Wi-Fi 6 and, and some of the added benefits that we can get from that to, to, to help. Yeah, and I, and I can build on that. So, I mean, using what's already in place, it's not actually a bigger forklift upgrade as, as a lot of people think it might be. You know, most of the infrastructure that's in place today or kind of legacy infrastructure meets most of the requirements of a smart building. It, it's when you want to get that kind of advanced analytics and, and data we spoke about earlier, then you need to add some things. It's not a case of replacing your entire backbone. What we do find is, you know, with the advent of Wi-Fi 6, and, and we mentioned earlier, private 5G, clients are typically in or coming to that refresh cycle anyway. So, so they are looking at, at implementing Wi-Fi 6 more for the bandwidth and capacity and, and, and 5G uh, or any kind of private cellular solution. Effectively use those kind of technologies there might be a, a need to upgrade the, the backbone of, of, the, of the local area network as well. Otherwise, things will, will work as they are. I say there is a need for some, some overlay stuff like the location analytics service. But in general, the upgrade path to get to a spot building is not big from a networking point of view. Most of the stuff will do the job as it is. You know, for our physical studio space here in Atlanta, I'd say the biggest change has been in these endpoint devices that sit on the topography of our building. The PoE backbone that we have here in our studio allowed us to do a lot of retrofitting of existing tech, uh, existing devices, and and additions of, of new things. You know, some key ones that come to mind. I'm sitting here in our conference room with uh, UVC sanitization devices. 
to allow, obviously, for additional sanitization protocols uh, in terms of the technology behind it, but also the perception that we give our employees, guests, stu students that come into the space that we're, we're taking cleanliness to be a very serious consideration for us here. Uh, we have technology that we've implemented like people tracking, both the systems that are required to do that and the interaction devices to allow for sign-ins and check-ins uh, that, that allow contact tracing that needs to happen, uh, ability to implement maximum occupancy thresholds inside of our space, reservations of assets and resources that we have, you know, really being able to understand the way that people are interacting with the space and make informed decisions around uh, how to best distance people and make best use of our space. Uh, we've, we've done things like upgrade our access control so that we no longer need a physical person uh, there to sign people in. We can share access to our space virtually. Uh, we've had to increase our bandwidth, you know, to to allow for this higher consumption and, and utilizing of higher data in, in our day-to-day -day work that we're doing. And this additional collaboration technology, be it WebEx Teams, Zoom Room devices, active noise cancellation, microphones, directional speakers. We need to be able to divide our space better and allow for concurrent conversations. Uh, so all these devices really add up, you know, that started as a, as a wow factor. We brought people in. We wanted them to see our space and have that, oh, this is really cool. But the the technology, the devices are, are allowing for informed decision-making, higher collaboration, higher efficacy of the work that we're conducting and the deliverables that we're generating. So we move beyond that wow factor stage into really uh, being enabled by this uh, technology, by the by the backbone of of adaptability and modularity. I think Alex's space is one of the best examples of how power over Ethernet is actually really flexible. You know, structured cables, physical cabling in a space. However, he's been able to do all of these different things as the need comes up. I know, um, you know, Alex, you you didn't plan on UVC when you designed the space, yet with the backbone you have, you were able to add that relatively easily when the need arose. And I think that plays off of the philosophy of having a reliable design structure it actually gives you a lot of flexibility, allows you to adapt as market needs change. And at least from our perspective, I've seen a ton of retrofit projects and they can be they can be fascinating and they can be as big as you want or as small. So in the end, it's really don't feel limited by the fact that you have an existing building with all of the technologies out there today. You can probably accomplish most of your goals and you can. So really, the key is starting with the goals, working backwards and then finding the right technology partners that will help you get there in a way that's manageable unifies everything and and fits your time and budget. The exciting thing is really seeing people ranging from small fire departments to large enterprise businesses look at making the environments better for the people inside of it and being able to do so no matter what sort of resources they have. Brittany, I'm curious to see what you feel about, you know, how can organizations retrofit to fit like the new workplace? What are your thoughts on that? I think when you're looking at retrofitting, especially the technology that everyone's been mentioning today, it drastically improves the ability to change a space without having to start from scratch. And when you combine those technologies that are easier to implement and can add to the scope of what a space can do, 
then it's a massive opportunity for anyone that wants to create a new space with what they already have. And you can look to different guidelines. I'm sure Ashray can help with that. I, I, me personally, I know the well standard really well. And that without starting from scratch and looking at that holistic experience, you can pull from that and say, look, this is my space. What technology can I use to retrofit and get as much of that into this space as possible? So kind of hearing what you guys are saying right now, I think, you know, there are a lot of changes coming to multiple different spaces. There are a lot of changes coming to the wireless space with network upgrades or network changes and transformation around what the network can do. Changes around the physicality of things, so interacting with spaces and how they're being used, as well as location changes where people are working, where they're not working, or however they get their job done. But with these changes coming to the network, the physical changes and location changes, I'm curious, how have the responsibilities changed between IT and real estate leaders? I I think for a lot of companies, this is new territory. IT concerns can affect real people experiences and building management requires collaborating with IT. For a lot of companies, these two groups are not necessarily in the same room today, and they can have different conflicting demands. So we want frictionless experiences for people and you want security. And so, you know, these two concerns really come together when you talk about smart building technology and it's totally doable to address both moving forward. You just need to have a good relationship amongst these professionals. Increasingly, this might require an ongoing collaboration conversation. These technologies are not set and forget. They shouldn't be because security is both of your concerns for both of these professionals from cyber and physical. And you you really need to consider that. Everything from the placement and security of IT closets to you know, how you're leveraging IoT devices, who has access to what, you know, making sure you have highly secure enterprise level software controls from a SaaS software as a service company to ensure that there's that continuous investment from your technology partners in cybersecurity for your smart building platform. And increasingly jokes I hear from, from IT professionals is that the only things that are guaranteed in life are death and taxes and now cybersecurity threats. They're always evolving. So are you on top of what you need to do to make sure your technology evolves to stay the most secure? Someone mentioned that IPv6, that most current internet protocol, that's incredibly important. You can also look for other security and protection measures from your software providers for not just safety of your occupants, but safety of your data. It can be transport layer security. Um, there's MQTT, which is message queuing telemetry transport and other layered security protocols. And your IT professional is the one who'll know that. Um, if you're a real estate professional, you just need to know that you're willing to also invest in making sure you've got top of the line security protocols in place. So I think that can be a limiting factor as well as sort of a fear of being the next ransomware attack, um, being the next headline on the newspaper. And I don't I think with the right steps, you can really mitigate that risk to being something that's manageable for your organization, and then hopefully have a fantastic, sustainable, wonderful building for people to come back to. I think, Jasmine, it's a very, very interesting topic, this, because it's one we see a lot 
from working with a lot of our clients around deploying their networks. And it's it's one where often within within clients we see a polite way of putting a healthy tension between real estate and, and the IT team because often the IT teams can be seen as a blocker for some of the solutions they're trying to implement because they have more rigorous processes put in place that real estate is not kind of their, their traditional area they play in. So actually it's where we do a lot of work of bridging those two teams together internally for a lot of clients. But it's also then looking at where there's maybe some different solutions in the market around smart buildings that are maybe more con- consumerized uh, and then maybe not have the same controls in place that the traditional enterprise network teams say are used to. So actually it's where there's a lot of work of assessing different solutions to make sure, as Kim said again, that they comply with the different standards they have internally. But what we're also seeing as well is where traditionally some of the building management systems may be segregated onto a different network. We're actually seeing for a lot of clients those being converged to actually put tied to controls in, well, not so much tied to controls, but actually the correct controls in place so that actually the right security is being used. Because there's a number of examples out there where some of the IoT or OT devices are the ones that have been um, attacked and actually made the way into kind of some of the wider networking areas as well. So people are looking now how you actually have that more of that, the, the, the full picture from a cybersecurity standpoint to mitigate the risk. I add to that, um, you know, we really do see a scope widening when our products are brought onto a project that is primarily network-based because now you're looking at controlling movement on the facade of a building and how that solar light is affecting people sitting at a desk. And all of that is sitting on the same network as these more traditional components and non-traditional components like lighting. Um, and it's been more than once where you're sitting in the room with the IT team and the network engineers and explaining the basics of facade control and um, when they want to account for the solar shading to come down. It's not just when sun's coming in. You know, sometimes a, a building is built around in a U and a big white wall can make it very bright and it's not the a lighting designer that's coming in to switch that. It's the network team in the building that can shift just everything else as all the IT platforms. And it is a big scope change. But the thing that I've definitely seen is there's not much hesitation there. Um, most of the teams we've worked with seem pretty agile and excited to add to uh, their skill set. So it's been really interesting watching how the responsibilities of IT teams have changed in this space. You know, Jasmine, something I, I want to add without derailing us too much here. We've talked about these two major groups of stakeholders, the, the the IT professional and the real estate professional. It's like, you know, so many clear examples of this convergence of IT and OT. Um, but I'll add another sort of important stakeholder consideration here uh, and, and the way they interact with both these groups, who is the, uh, you know, tenant and occupant experience. These these individuals, quite honestly, don't care about the security layers that are in place, the, the way that automations are triggered. They just want it to work. Um, you know, I've had individuals that come in my space before. I've I've asked, hey, you know, you know, you can change some of these individual uh, parameters around your experience. And people sort of look at me and they're like, yeah, I just when I walk into the room, I want the, the shades to come up. I want the lights to come on. If it gets darker, I expect the things to become lighter. So uh, we're taking for granted, really, the the fact that it just needs to work. Uh, and all of these considerations on the IT and OT side are enabling that thing to work, uh, but making sure that we uh Keep in mind, you know, most of the people that come in and interact with the space, they don't see the way these uh, disparate systems are interconnected or the the things that are actually triggering the space to adapt to their own needs. So it's 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 very interesting to see 
uh, th- that that sort of third layer as part of this conversation. Totally nailed it, Alex. Actually, isn't it interesting how the sort of the epitome of the best tech implementation in a space is for the occupant to not really notice that it's there and that it's it's moving around them. It's just they're always comfortable in that space. It just works. It's always what they need. Bingo. Couldn't agree with you more, Brittany. Okay. So I hear what you guys are saying, Alex and Brittany. I think people just want things to work. And that's just not relevant to the tech industry or enterprises, but it can apply to many different industries. Um, And I think sustainability in a trusted workplace, it's not just specific to just the tech industry. It can apply to many different industries, including education, hospitality, manufacturing, to just to name a few. So how are these verticals using hybrid work solutions in their space? And are there any common denominators that you would want to share with the audience? Jasmine, I can make a quick comment, Mimi, about the hospitality sector, at least from the guest experience side. I know that there are several projects out there that are really embracing technology for sustainability and for the luxury experience for their guests. They're using it as a differentiator. And this is important, I think, because typically the hotel and hospitality industry views technology as something that, you know, they don't have pilots. They go straight into deployments if it's in even one hotel. Hotels and hospitality will look to other industries to make sure technology that's deployed works and then start adopting it in their own. But you still have people who are pushing that forward. And I think that there are some really interesting hotels out there worth checking into. I won't go into a whole lot of depth, but the Leila Maria Hotel in California Sunny, beautiful, luxurious, huge sustainability focus, and they're able to combine the two. You also have the Sinclair Hotel in Fort Worth. They've seen a 40% reduction in their monthly energy bills, thanks to smart building technology, mostly low voltage. And they have a fantastic, luxurious experience. And then there's um, the Marcel Hotel in Connecticut. That's going to be the first passive house certified hotel in the U.S., it uses power over Ethernet, but uses a lot of other technologies as well to essentially generate all of its own electricity on site and and be a fully net zero operating hotel. So if you want to see how this is being used in other industries, I think those are some great hotels to check out. And they really prove you can have it all. You can have a profitable business you can have a structure and a building that's very that's fantastic for the environment that pushes the boundaries on sustainability and you don't sacrifice the occupant experience you can actually elevate it to something that gives you a competitive edge and makes be- people feel great when they're in your space essentially what we're seeing from a lot of our clients is they don't have the right one sustainability strategy and putting the right conditions into place for their clients then actually it's kind of a big one at the moment, especially around in the US, I'd say, where there's a lack of talent available and actually it's become a big part of recruitment and actually how they re- they retain the, the talent they have, that actually the full spectrum of having the smart building, their sustainability targets and goals and how they're they're being achieved or how the, the, country, the company's responsibility is like a key driver. That's great. Thank you, Philip and Kim. You know, as we wrap up our conversation today, I think there are three phrases that I've heard throughout kind of our conversation. One being flexibility, the second being data-driven decisions, and lastly, the well-being of our workforce. And I think those are 
very important areas of organizations and how can and how they can take steps ahead as we move you know into the future and somehow some way maybe out of this pandemic so it was just an interesting conversation to listen into and i really did take away a lot from what you guys have said today so so thank you again kim Brittany, alex philip and grant for joining in and making this conversation so insightful Thank you again to our insiders for always joining in and listening to all of the new things that are happening. And if you'd like to learn more about our topic today, definitely check out the show notes for some more resources and follow us on any of your favorite streaming platforms to always be up to date on all things networking. And until we catch you next time, ciao and stay safe.